with any luck, funnier adults. Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? Because he didn't have anybody to go with. Dad jokes rule. So take a moment to make a moment and give your kid a laugh. <laughs> it's as easy as going to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. That's <laughs> really funny. And good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King and we are joined here this morning by Alan Haugam, pinch hitting for Merle Kelch today. Haugam Law Firm here in Wausau and he is your expert on estate planning and elder elder law matters. And uh, as we say every time he comes on the show though, he did go to law school and pass the bar so he can answer any of your legal questions. I today. went to law school, Tom. I passed the bar, esteemed member of the bar and legal advice just for today's show is free. That's all right. It's not the uh, the first session is free, and then after that it's uh, whatever per hour, right? Okay. Yeah. The uh, no, but it's it, it's one of those where uh, you know when we go to law school and people ask about it, um, I would say it, it for people who enjoy it, and I did for whatever reason. Uh, it was just intriguing because you talk about every topic in every area, and you can really dive into things. But no, it is. Uh, um, we specialize here in the field, thankfully. I mean, if you uh, there, there are a few folks who do general law, and, and you uh, kind of think about, I don't know if a general doctor should be doing your heart surgery and your podiatry and your, uh, you know, uh, neurosurgery and everything. So, of course, uh, so he has a law, talk show host thing. giving uh, giving medical <laughs> advice. Well, too, you you'll know. have that. But uh, <laughs> it's like, all right, um, when people come to you for the first time and they have questions, I mean, are they are they on the clock immediately then, or do you have a session where you're you talk to talk them through some of the things that you're looking at. No, we 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 don't uh, charge anyone for that initial consultation. You know, we don't put that. I don't even know if it's on our website. To be honest with you, it's one of those things where there's not a neon sign outside that said, you know, everybody come in for 30 minutes of of whatever your uh, random legal question is. Um, that's what the show's for, actually. That's what the radio show's for. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But but for the, I mean, I think one of the things that we do is for people who just don't know what they don't know, and I mean that in a good way. You know, it's the type of thing where. They say, I'm not sure if this is an issue or not, or I'm not sure if this is something that we can fix or not, or if there's a, uh, a solution to it. But here's the, here's the thing that's going on in my family, or here's what, uh, you know, here's what happened with my parents, my grandparents, my aunt and uncle. Here's what we own. Here's what we think is going to happen. Is that right? And we'll go through it. And a lot of times, you know, people have gotten snippets or anecdotes from, you know, various scenarios that happened in their family, especially in our area, you know, on our estate planning and elder law side of things. And they don't realize uh, which uh, which rules changed in which area or which time. You know, we get a lot of things where, uh, you know, people have received uh, real estate. You know, great example. Uh, people get, you know, their, their parents gave them the house. Or, you know, in farm country, I've, I've mentioned probably every time I'm on the show, I'm from Edgar. I grew up in a little small farm in Edgar. Uh, and, and lots of our best friends in the world are, are, are farmers. And, and a lot of times the, the farm passes down from one generation to the next. And they'll say, well, that's what my grandparents, when they gave it to my parents, and, and when my parents gave it to me, and now I'm going to give it to our children, and it sounds great, right? And you say, well, yeah, all that happened prior to 2009. And in Wisconsin, everything changed in 2009 for how you give those kinds of things to your kids. And then when you're going to give real estate, if you say, no, I don't, I don't live on a farm. I don't have a cabin. I don't have hunting land. We just have a house in town, but that's our biggest asset. Or that plus maybe the retirement accounts are the biggest assets. And you have to tell someone, well, the way that you used to be able to give a house to a child or really give a house to anyone, well, that changed in 2014. So I always uh, I, had, I had this question literally this week. Uh, I talked to a group of people, and uh, someone asked about giving the house to the kids. And I said, that's a great idea as long as you can get that paperwork signed 
prior to August 1st of 2014. <laughs> and they said, you know, it's, it's always that like two second pause and they go, wait a minute. <laughs> so, no, you can't. So the, the rule change and, and not to say that it's illegal or anything like that. It's just so unbelievably expensive uh, so that the purpose of giving it um, has really gone away or really that the kind of the state and federal governments have stepped in between, you know, parents and child or parents and whomever they're going to give it to so that it just uh, it, it, it just wouldn't make any sense anymore. I was talking with Merle last week and the subject of trusts came up and he said, well, that would be a great question for Alan when he's on the show. Uh, you know, when we talk about trust, I think people think they know what a trust is. And uh, the question I've got then is, do, does a trust work for everyone? Should everyone have their stuff in a trust? Is, is that something that or that it's not obviously not one size fits all, but is it something that everyone should look at? I, I think everyone should look at and understand what it is. But no, Tom, I don't think that, that a trust is right for every single person at all. Um, I don't think, you know, other than a few very, very basic things like a, a powers of attorney for finances and powers of attorney for healthcare, and we can talk about what those are and what they do. That, I think, you know, just about every, every uh, person over the age of 18 would benefit from at some point. Um, but other than that, I don't think there's any one-size-fits-all uh, scenario for, for that you say, well, this, you have to do this. Like every single time someone walks through the door, you got to peel one off the top of the page and uh, put their name on it. Go, there you go. That it really comes down to uh, scenarios. You know, what's your situation? And then I think, what's your goal? Uh, that is the one that uh, I think people don't, but probably are surprised by, you know, that when, when uh, folks come in and they say, well, I'm, I'm 53 and I have, uh, I'm married and I have, uh, you know, two kids and I, I work here and I've got, you know, a, a house that's just about paid for or maybe where it's half paid for and I've got a 401k plan and a couple dollars of life insurance. So what do I need? And I just tell them, I say, I have no idea until we talk about what your goals are. You know, what, uh, what scenarios are you in? If you have children, not everyone has children. If you have children, what uh, positions are they in? You know, uh, when you give it to children, do you want that to be subject to uh, Wisconsin's marital property laws for the child's marriage? And some people, that, uh, that is not a concern. They say, after I pass away, I don't care. You can throw this up in the, in the industrial strength fan and wherever <laughs> this lands, it lands. And, and they really do say, really? not my concern, that it's, uh, I did my part, they can go do their part. And I go, great, that's fantastic. We got a great plan for that. Um, but don't, they don't need to do a whole lot of work during their lifetime. But obviously that does magnify, multiply the, the work for the kids. The great plan for that is not throwing it up into the industrial fan and letting right. it blow all over. The <laughs> yeah, it's one of those where you say, well, maybe, yeah. maybe most people, I should say, want a little Aim bit more structure. Yeah, yeah. And, and let's say, well, we know who it's going to go to, but maybe let's talk about how it's going to be distributed to them. And, and you know, what are your, what are your goals for that and, and how much structure do we want to put around it? The two trusts we normally hear about, revocable and irrevocable, you would think that those labels would self-explain what they are, but they don't always do that, do they? Not even a, a little bit, yeah, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Those are probably among the most misunderstood things that, that we deal with. Um, I, I talk to people a lot and just describe, you know, because people think there's two trusts, right? And we say, no, there's, you know, in our office, we probably draft somewhere between, you know, 35 and 40 different types. Um and, and, and you say, not two? <laughs> no, that's more. And, and there's, there's a little bit of an adjustment period. I think when you talk about a revocable trust with an R, a lot of times what that is, is it's just, there, there's really one way to do it, I think. You know, it's a little bit different if uh, someone is single or if you're talking to a married couple. It's a little bit different if they have children or they don't have children, just how things are distributed. 
a little bit different if it's a first marriage versus a second marriage because the marital property rights attach a little bit differently. Uh, but it's basically one framework for that. It's, it's one framework. The rest of those things are just details. Uh, with, for an irrevocable trust with an I, uh, I would say that that's every other trust. I mean, you know, there's there's 30 or 35 or 40, you know, that you could probably tick off your fingers, you know, just as we talk here. Uh, and then, you know, Maybe just, you could. In, could. Yeah, one of us could, Tom. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, but there are innumerable, you know, just variations of those. Most of those are for, I think, the ones that we think of uh, typically. The ones you'll, you'll, you know, Google are for people who have assets that are greater than the federal estate tax limit. And the federal estate tax limit right now is $11.7 million. So if you're less than that, most of those Which don't apply Which is probably 99% here. of the people in the, within the sound oh, of my yeah. voice. 99 point something, something, yeah, yeah, something, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you say, uh, and I think the, the really famous ones are, you know, the, uh, uh, the things where, you know, I'll talk to people a lot where they say, you know, if you have a house, you know, if you have a house, you own it with, you know, Mr. and Mrs. King. You know, you own the house. Um, if you had a $10 million house, you know, that whatever the most expensive house on the shores of Lake Michigan or, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Well, you should never own that in your name because owning that house is going to push you over that $11.7 million limit. And now you're going to have this 40% estate tax on your house or some portion of your house. And you say, well, it's crazy. So what you do is you own that house in something called an irrevocable personal residence trust. And now that house can be tax free. And you go, oh, okay. So this that, is what keeps all the lawyers busy with rich people. Right? You got it, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's all those things. The um, You know, we've talked about, there's an article in the local newspaper here, just kind of the, uh, you know, kind of that uh, uh, kind of local series of newspapers we have in our kind of mid-sized Wisconsin towns. Oh, I don't know, it was maybe six weeks ago, where they had a, a front-page story about some of the, the types of trusts that were being reviewed under, you know, they've been reviewed for, you know, years as to whether we should keep these. Um, but it's uh, a great example is uh, Sam Walton, you know, kind of like legendarily, you know, Sam Walton gave tens of billions of dollars to his children of Walmart stock, um, almost tax free, not quite tax free, but but close to tax free. He just used a series of what they called irrevocable grantor retained annuity trust. And you say, well, wait a minute. You're you're telling me that just average Joe's like like you and me, Tom, have to pay some tax. And uh, Sam Walton and his tens of billions of dollars oh, can avoid think, that. I don't think anybody listening is surprised <laughs> by that. It's, and, but I think you might be surprised by, by the ease of that. You know, that's something that, you know, if you can go down the street and, and any number of attorneys here in Wausau, uh, including us, can do. Um, now, there aren't very many people with billions of dollars, clearly. Uh, I think we might have had a, a, a headline in the news uh, recently about how many billionaires are, there are in the country. But... But it's, it's a pretty darn small number. So those things really don't apply to people. But you know what they make for are really fun Google headlines and, and articles. So we'll have people who say, all right, I typed it into Google. Uh, <laughs> I, I, there's two kinds of trust. There's a revocable and there's an irrevocable. And what, what I say is you don't have Sam Walton kind of, of financial issues. You, know, you don't have the Kennedy dynasty irrevocable trust that's going on for, for generations and things like that. So I think for most of those, most of the ones that make for really good articles or for interesting reading just don't apply. Those are the worst words you hear when somebody comes into the office, right? 
I Googled this, or I, I was on legal Zoom last night, right? The, you know, and, and part of it, I'm okay with it, because if someone did Google it and they made their way to our office, or someone went on to legal Zoom, which I don't even have a problem with, you know, and they made their way to our office, I think they are ahead of 98% of people, because at least they're they're the curious folks who understand. They say, hey, there's an issue here. I wanted it to explain to me for my family instead of just reading the article or, or having the generic website. All right, maybe we can dive into some of those issues when we come back. We need to take a break. We'll come back with more. We're with attorney Alan Haugam today on the program. Give us a call if you have a question, 715-845-2155. We'll be right back. The life of every child is precious beyond measure. If you care for a child with a disability and have limited income and resources, help is available. Children with a physical or mental disability or who are blind may qualify for monthly cash payments through the Supplemental Security Income Program, or SSI. The program provides help to meet basic needs for food. In America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with attorney Alan Haugam, Haugam Law Firm, pinch hitting from Roll Kelch here uh, today. Let's go to the phone this morning as soon as I turn all the buttons on. Good morning. Who are we talking to? This is Josh. Good morning. Hey, Josh, you're on with Alan. Go Good ahead. morning, Josh. Hi. Um... I heard that if you went to a law school in Wisconsin, and I'm assuming it's Madison or Marquette, that you could practice law here without sitting for the bar, passing the bar. Is that correct? Well, Josh, you have touched on, I don't know if knowingly or not, you have touched on one of the greatest controversies in legal education across this great country. Um, so, uh, Josh, you are correct that... Uh, 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 Wisconsin has something. The two Wisconsin law schools, and you're right, it's University of Wisconsin and Marquette University uh, Law Schools, those two have something called the diploma privilege. And the diploma privilege is, in a nutshell, uh, that if you if you graduate from either one of those schools, and you also have to take a there's, – there's kind of a slate of Wisconsin-based courses that you have to take, which virtually everyone does, that, uh, that then after you graduate, uh, you can wave into – Wisconsin, that you are, you have to pass, uh, I believe the, um, you know, the ethics portion of something, you know, there's a professional responsibility part, but it's, sure. it's, it's fine. That's a, you know, a hundred percent pass rate. The, uh, or, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but the, uh, but yeah, there's no, you don't have to take the bar exam. It's the only state in the country. Um, this has been debated, uh, for generations yeah. and I'm trying to, I don't know exactly when it started, but there's a reason. There's gotta be a joke there where the lawyer's taking an ethics test before they can practice. <laughs> really? I mean, come on. Well, but. But yeah, I, go ahead. I have a follow-up, sure. and, and and it's it's you know, nothing disparaging, of course. But um, so I'm wondering, uh, with that in mind, uh, what is the minimum grade that you have to graduate law school with before you can you can do that? You know, uh, I don't know uh, what the you know I, I I hesitate because I don't want to speak out of turn about a, a rule that yeah. I have not read recently. I did years ago. Um, but I think it's uh, uh, I, I I think you just get a passing grade, Josh, uh, is what it is. Okay. Now, the which is one of the reasons for the bar exam. Now, what Wisconsin will tell you if we're going to defend them. Now, to be fair, I should probably point out my uh, um, uh, you know my background. 
I, I'm from Edgar, so I'm from 20 miles from Wausau. So I grew up dead center in the middle of Wisconsin. Uh, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin with my undergraduate degree, and then I went to law school at the University of Minnesota. Uh, and I did it because I grew up in Edgar, and I wanted to see if I, I liked a metro area, essentially. And it was uh, the highest-rated law school that also had reciprocity. So I could go to Minnesota, to the law school in Minnesota, for the same cost as I could have gone to the law school in Wisconsin. Um, it was a top-20-rated law school, and uh, I said, yeah, I wanted to go there, see if I like the Twin Cities. And it turned out, Josh, that I like cities in Wisconsin about the size of Wausau. So I made yeah. my way back. I, I came back. I like uh, it, was, it was a fine school, but I just really like the state of Wisconsin a whole lot better. Um, I'm a whole well, and, but and the only reason I bring this up is because then, as a consumer— I would need to maybe perhaps be careful about who I select for an attorney, maybe find out if that person did sit for the bar, passed the bar, um, because I would assume that the person getting higher grades um, and passes the bar is probably going to charge more per hour, perhaps, and, and maybe do a better job for me. Well, like George Carlin once said, uh, somewhere in the world is the world's worst doctor, and you may be seeing him today. The same could be said for lawyers, I would imagine. I mean, Flounder from Animal House could be out there practicing law somewhere. Well, Tom, uh, my very highly rated law school. uh, uh, Now, I'm not going to flout my honors graduate uh, status. Well, we're not talking about you, My honors, uh, my cum laude honors. But, uh, no. uh, So, Josh, I would say this is one where this is an opportunity where you and Tom have teed me up where I could uh, say all kinds of great things about my law school and me graduating with honors, me sitting for the bar, and uh, and all kinds of things. Uh, in reality, um, I, I I this is probably the place where I would disagree with you. I think the, the people who graduate from Wisconsin and Marquette are fine attorneys. I would not worry about that at all. Um, I think there is the, if someone said, um, you know, when you were interviewing lawyers and you said, well, did they sit for the bar? And we have two who are just exactly the same and one of them ground through, uh, you know, the the studying and the bar exam and, and the process that it is. Um, you know, would someone like that? I don't know. Maybe uh, a year after they graduated, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Um, if, if someone can do that, they probably learn more on the job and, and in the training. It really is just a hurdle to entry, which is what Wisconsin's been arguing. And, and again, I'm on the other side. I took a bar exam. The reason I did is I, I thought I knew about it before I went to Minnesota. What do you, what do you remember from that bar exam? It was a while ago. Oh, well, you know, I, what I do remember is I sat and I took an entire summer, uh, and or not summer, but it was it was months of me studying, you know, probably 10 hours a day. That was my job. And, you know, I just sat and I was uh, in this rented place in Oakdale, Minnesota, as I stared out the patio window at the sun and the beautiful Rethinking summer. Rethinking your decision and at I was that at this, point. Right. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I remember when I was going to law school and I thought, I could take a bar exam. Like, I'm not afraid of a test. You know, and I mean, there's some bravado there. And then when you're sitting yeah. there and it's kind of destroying your entire summer and I skipped like gatherings and I skipped, you know, like friends, uh, you know, uh, parties and, and weekends away. I'm like, no, this is my job. I am studying and there's there's nothing that will, will prevent me. And then I got a, actually got a very high score on the bar exam itself. I waved into um, two different states. Great. So it was, uh, it was good. And, but it's, yeah. it's one of those where Wisconsin lawyers, people who graduate from Madison and Marquette, those are very, very good law schools and they're yeah. great lawyers. And then, and then, so uh, when you were in Minnesota, were you corrupted? Are you still a Packer fan, or the other way? Josh, I am offended that you would even. He he comes in here wearing his Badger gear on most Saturdays. Today he had his Bucks gear on, but mostly it's Badger gear. So yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Josh, when I was there in Minnesota, and not to just go off on a rant here about the, uh, you know, but maybe a little bit. Just give me this a minute. But uh, so, Josh, when I was over there, um, uh, it, the the Minnesota student newspaper every spring, at least when I was there, this is you know 25 years ago. But every spring they would run an article that where somebody sat on the main drag, the main walking drag of uh, campus in Minnesota, and they would just count. And there were the Badger sweatshirts every semester, every spring outnumbered the gopher sweatshirts on their campus and, and it was just a source of just anger every year and i was definitely among them i have not voted for i have, I have not rooted for any of the gophers uh i am a, uh, a packer badger brewer bucks through and through well there you go thanks very much for the call appreciate it uh, what else could you say if you want to get people to come to your office right I mean, oh yeah no one's going to come to your office if you say you're a viking fan right oh no and, and those people are are just horrible fans they really are <laughs> You know, and All there right. was a point where I thought, you know, could you could you root for the Minnesota Wild? Like Wisconsin doesn't have a hockey team; they're close. You know, um, we're probably more similar as Wisconsinites to Minnesotans than we are to you know other parts of the country. And then one of the people, uh, one of my friends, reminded me, one of the friends who actually uh, lived over in Minnesota, he said, "You can't root for the Wild because the the fans of the Minnesota Wild are the same people who are the fans of the Vikings, and you just you can't go that low." Mm-hmm. All right, can't. all right, we're gonna take a break here for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Alan regarding the law, that would be good, or we could talk about the Minnesota Wild and the Vikings and all of that as well. But we'll be back after this on WSAU. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick and proud aunt. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. One in six. That little girl sitting alone at the playground, she can't play like the other kids. She doesn't have the energy because she's hungry. School lunch will be her only meal today. It breaks my heart that this is the reality in our country, but it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. This food is then provided to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about using your imagination, learning, and having fun. These children shouldn't have to miss out on simply being a kid because they're hungry. To find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your... Let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. News, talk, sports, WSAU. Hey, we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King along with attorney Alan Haugam, Haugam Law Firm here in Wausau. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call here this morning, 715-845-2155. I know you're going to be back here in a couple of weeks when Merle's out out looking for Bambi. Uh, It's that time of year again. But uh, what are some of the things that, some of the questions you get asked from people that come into your office for the first time? What are some of the things that they want to know about or that they they, they haven't taken care of at this point when it comes to estate planning? Well, I think uh, a lot of it's, you know, what happens if you don't do anything? And I think one of the things that we get, you know, we think about um, everything's perfect. We think, well, everyone at a certain age uh, just decides that now's the time and we're going to go in and get our stuff done. Well, when, that would be me. Yeah, it's, right. at some point it's going to there, happen. There will be an age, and and you know a lot of times that comes up when there's a certain number of events, and or if it's something happens to someone close to you. That's that's a lot of times the catalyst. Um, what we get are when you when you talk about the people, at least internally in our office, when you talk about people who um, 
uh, have never done anything is the people who are in crisis who've never done anything. Uh, and I think at, at some point, maybe we have a segment where we just kind of walk through what happens in a crisis if you've never done anything and how can you do something, you know, not as good, but how can you do something after the fact? All right, well, let's go to the phone first of all. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, Greg. Hey, Greg, you're um, on with Alan. Or with, uh, yeah, Alan, go ahead. Good morning, Greg. Yeah, uh, morning. Um, I have an irrevocable trust my parents set up. Um, my mom's still alive, and her care comes from the trust. In the trust, um, there's two of us that will inherit the trust when my mom passes away. Um, but it states that I can have anybody represent me if something happens to me. My question is, do I need to have an attorney draw for, for me to transfer uh, ownership of the trust, my half of the trust, to my wife? Oh, yeah, great question, actually, Greg. Uh, I mean, I would say what you're talking about is fairly common uh, yeah. for for the, the recipient. Now, you're a child of, you know, your mom's still living, but it can be right. any person. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I would say there's a couple different ways to do it. And, Greg, you're kind of uh, almost inadvertently touching on uh, maybe a, a deeper body of, of what people sometimes do estate planning for. And, uh, you know, what you can do in estate planning, like as we talked about with Tom, is you just say, hey, if something ever happens to me, it's going to go where it goes, and I'm not putting any kind of structure on this whatsoever. Um, not a great idea in my opinion. Now, I'm the lawyer, of course, but it's one where you say, yeah, well, whatever goes to my child goes to my child. And uh, if, it, if it goes to my son, goes to my son, Bob, and, and his wife comes home two years later with the midlife crisis and, and says she wants a divorce, well, the inheritance we gave to our son, Bob, well, that just might get divided 50-50, um, despite, you know, all of these individual property and marital property and, and how things work, how it really works, boots on the ground, is that stuff just gets divided 50-50. And you go, wait a minute. Okay. So as a parent, a parent might say, well... Um, I certainly hope my child, I hope Greg never gets divorced, ever guaranteed. But, you know, what happens? Is there a way that I can handle this so that it is only for Greg and his wife? Or it's only for oh. Greg and his wife, but Greg's the guy in charge of it. It's his family inheritance. Right, That's right. probably appropriate. Right um, now, it's set. If something happens to me, it goes to my two daughters. But what I'd like to do is change that so my wife... Oop, you, you cut out a little bit, Greg, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were cutting out there, but thanks a lot. Yeah. He'll try to answer that for you. Yeah, Greg, but but really, what you're about, to, what you're talking about, is the second half of my response. So perfect timing, as you know. And really, what it means is, is, is as a parent, you might say, well, I want to make sure, you know, my son Bob. I want to make sure that my son Bob, if his wife ever comes home and, and wants a divorce, that uh, she, you know, half of the family inheritance doesn't just go to my now ex uh, daughter-in-law. And, and hopefully, every parent will tell you this, hopefully my children never get divorced. Um, but if ever, anything ever happened, I just want to make sure nothing crazy happens. they got to figure out their own stuff. They have, you know, you know, my son Bob and his wife and their kids, you know, they have their own house and their own 401k and their own life insurance. They have to figure that out. But for the family inheritance, how would I want it to be distributed? Planning for worst-case scenarios at like a prenup or anything else. Yeah, you know, plan for the worst, and then everything else is better. You know, plan for if, and hopefully I tell people, you know, here's what would happen if this bad thing happened, if that bad thing happened, if that bad thing happened. And hopefully none of that happens, and we just never have to worry about this. You just forget about it. But if there was some marital issue, we don't lose your money to some, you know, next generation's marital issue. You say, great. So if we give that to our son, Bob, fantastic. But then what Bob says is years later, mom is getting older or, or mom is, is passing away or mom has passed away. And suddenly now this, this dollar amount is, is that child and it's protected from divorce and it's not very difficult. I'd say that's one of the, one of the very top things that, that uh, people who come to our office want to make sure of. 
But but then Bob, the son, says, no, my wife is great. My mom loved her. I love her. She's fantastic. That's never going to happen. I can understand, you know, years ago where you just don't know. But no, no, not, not an issue at all. I want to make sure that I'm including my wife. But if I die, you know, if son Bob dies and now he's given it to his wife, is that going to end up going to his wife's extended family or his wife's second husband or his wife's second husband's kids? And I say, yeah, all of those things happen. We get those phone calls 8 a.m., you know, on Monday mornings where people say something happened inadvertently because we didn't do the planning ahead of time. But what Bob's mom did was Bob's mom said, I'm going to give it to Bob in a way that protects him from divorce. And I want to make it as easy as possible for him to include his spouse because I think he will and I think that's the right thing to do. But then when they both pass away, it goes to the kids. So the, the easiest way to do that, Greg, is to say, I give it to my child, and if my child dies, it will go to my grandchildren. And then just put something in there, which it, I'm, it, I would guess is in your mom's, but you could take a look, uh, something that says, I would, I, you know, Greg can certainly include his spouse um, uh, as long as everything's going great, good with uh, Greg and his wife, you know, behind closed doors, and we assume it is, then make it very, very easy for Greg to include his wife because we hope, we hope that he does. And, but I, yes, Greg, to answer your question, um, yes, that is something that a lawyer should help you with, an estate planning, elder law attorney, you know, whoever does that. Because um, it's very specific, that language. But it happens all the time. Do it every day. I would imagine a big chunk of your business these days, and not just these days, but in the last, what, 50 years, is coming from divorce situations. Because, let's face it, what, 50% or some somewhere around mm-hmm. that number of marriages end in divorce in this country? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been practicing a full 50 years yeah. just yet, Tom. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. I will be at some point. You get a little, little silver in your goatee I know, there. Yeah, though, you, know, a, so. you know, I do that for... <laughs> You know, a little wisdom whiskers there. I see. Okay. There. All right. It's that but, Brett Favre look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but it is one where, um, yes, I, and I think it, it just it happens so frequently, and we don't know when. I mean, you know, we just have, uh, you know, in our office, not and thankfully not every day, no, but it is not uncommon for someone to say, yeah, we're still living. My kids, have, you know, my, my daughter's been married for 37 years, and suddenly they're getting divorced. And you go, 37 years? You know, that's crazy. That is not, you know, once you get past a certain number of years, that's not the norm. But it certainly does happen. And all of those people who get together and play cards or, or you know, drink some coffee or have the Christmas party and say, yeah, that happened to, you know, Wendell's, you know, family. Uh, I think we want to fix ours. You just do that. So just as you said before, Tom, I think the way you put it is, is, is succinct. It's, you know, plan for all the, the bad things, plan for the worst. And then if any one of those things happens, it still goes according to plan. If none of those things happen, fingers crossed, um, it still goes according to plan. But now we can have, you know, our fictional son, Bob, or in, in this case, our real caller, Greg. Yeah, is it, can Greg include his wife? Absolutely. And can Greg include his wife and still protect it from everybody else in the world so that if something happens to Greg and his wife, it goes to their kids? Absolutely. And if, if Greg's kids are too young to handle it, what if Greg's kids are 18? You know, you don't want grandma's family inheritance to go to those kids when they're too young. Can you fix that? Absolutely. All those things are set up, you know, if you just set it up ahead of time. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take one more. Shelves go bare. We have to get this orchestra of participants in the supply chain to adjust and get on the same schedule. Your daily supply chain of news, weather, and traffic is stronger than ever. At the top, 30 past, and when it breaks. I'm going to get all I'm going to need from you. On WSAU and WSAU.com. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Alan Haugam, attorney at law with us today, pinch hitting for Merle Kelch. If you have a question for Alan, we've got some time left. Give us a call here this morning, 715-845-2155. So 
somebody comes in and says they want to trust and you look at their situation and you say you really don't need one, what other options are there for people when they look at these situations? Yeah, I think that, you know, there are certain situations where someone says, um, I think one thing we get a lot of is my neighbor has or my brother-in-law has this particular trust. And um, so I guess that means I need one because we live in the same neighborhood. We're some same family, you know, all those things. And, and I think we just want to go through the situation and kind of go through um, what that would do for that particular person. And in the end, they might. Uh, and sometimes they just don't understand what their brother-in-law has and, and, or they get the name wrong. So we say, I don't know what they have. Uh, if you want to bring them in, you know, while you're sitting here, I'd, I'd sure we talk to them and, and kind of figure out what they have. But, but that doesn't happen. You know, I, I think what it is is you say, well, here's what, what you've heard they have and here's what you think it covers. Here's, here's what you could do. And here's what the name of it is, and and here's the solution, or here's what what goal that would would meet. And if that makes sense, great. And if if that matches up similarly to your brother-in-law, that's fine. Or if it doesn't, that's fine too. But we want to meet your goals, not not his. Let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Yeah, this is Chris. Hey, Chris, you're on with Alan. Go ahead. Morning, Chris. Morning, Alan. I've got a question. You opened up the show talking about uh, passing your house to your uh, offspring and you got me kind of confused now um i believe you're saying that it shouldn't be done and if not what what uh, ramifications are there for something like that sure so uh, so chris the the house to the kids now uh, keep in mind if you want to if you pass away and in your will or in your trust it says chris's house goes to chris's children no problem whatsoever that, that's appropriate i mean that's what 99% of people do. Uh, but if someone says, no, I want to give my house to my children while I'm still living, and I want to do that for protecting it, or where people do that is they want to protect it from nursing home costs, um, that that rule has changed in Wisconsin. Now, if you're calling from Minnesota or, or the UP, that's different. You know, they have different rules. But Wisconsin uh, changed their rules uh, about seven years ago. Okay. Um, what are the ramifications of passing a house to your uh, children sure. what is there tax ramifications uh, legal ramifications how does that work yep what Wisconsin did is they uh, the they, they really uh, and this is again for everyone under 11.7 million again Chris if you're over 11.7 million then uh, this is not for you it's only for the folks <laughs> under 11.7 but uh, but but what happened is in uh, in in 2014 uh, Wisconsin said, if you give your home to children, you really kind of face a Solomon's choice at that point where they say if you give the house to children but you stay living there, which is what just about everyone does. You know, you're not giving your house to the kids and then, you know, you're, you're hopping in the van and touring, you know, the country. You say you give the house to the kids, but I'm still living there. You know, I have the right to live there for the rest of my lifetime. Um, they call it a life estate. Um, say if you do that, you, you give the house, put the house in the kids' names, and you stay living there. The idea is that years later— when you need nursing home care and the state comes in and says, aha, because you need nursing home care, we're going to put a lien on Chris's house. Or the state says, we have a right to Chris's house. Chris can say, I don't own a house. And you say, I live in a house. I have the right to live in a house and I'm going to live here forever. But but I gave it to the kids years ago. And then the nursing home says, oh, okay, well, we can't take your house. And there's some rules about it. We can talk about it. when I come back in two weeks. We can talk about those rules. But if you did it a number of years ago, now the house was protected, and you could stay living there. And then after you pass away, um, your right to live there is extinguished. Obviously, you don't, you know, you don't, you're not going to live there for the rest of your lifetime because your lifetime is over. 
and the kids suddenly have the house. Presto change, yo, the kids have the house, um, and everything worked great. Uh, the, the, the kids could sell the house. They wouldn't have to worry about it. Really, you know, taxes, fees, everything works out perfectly. That was great okay. up until 2014. After oh. 2014, Wisconsin says, if you do that now. So, uh, uh, Chris, I have not been practicing law for 50 years. Uh, I've barely been on the earth for 50 years. But if I give my house to my children tonight, you know, I'm married. I have two kids. Just so happens. Um, the uh, we, We're living the Norman Rockwell painting here. But uh, me and my wife, two kids, if, if my wife and I say we love this house, we're going to live here forever, we're going to give it to our kids today, and I need nursing home care, let's say 30-something years from now, the state would still have a right to over 40% of the value of my house then. And you're like, 40? You know, and depending on what year, it could be 40 to 50, you know, and you're like, but wait a minute, but, but, but you gave it away decades ago, decades and decades and decades. Yep, state says we are going to permanently have our hooks into that house. And if my house is worth more, then if my house is worth more in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, their 40% of the value of my house might be worth more than my house is worth right now, the entirety of my house, which probably would be the case. And you're like, this is crazy. So the concept of giving your house to kids now doesn't make any sense. And you say, well, what if, what if I gave the house to my kids and I didn't keep the right to live there? I, I didn't keep the right to live there at all. And I just kind of crossed my fingers and hope my kids um, uh, did the right thing and hope my kids, because we've had kids kick their parents out of the house after they gave it to the kids, which is crazy. Very few times, but it's heartbreaking. Um, you know, well, what the state says is, okay, if you don't do that, then whenever the kids sell it after the parents die, you have to pay all of the back capital gains tax. You have to pay all the income tax. Most people think when you sell a house, you don't have to pay capital gains tax. And that's true. If you live, if you sell your own house and you've lived there for two years out of the last five years, but if if you give it to kids and then they sell it later, um, now you have to pay all of that tax, and it's unbelievable. So you, you have to or the kids have to? The kids do. Okay, yeah. all right. So so you're stuck. Your family is losing money. If you give the house to kids now and you think that's going to protect you from long-term care, if you give it directly to kids, now that, Tom, is where we would use a trust. Can we put that into a trust and be able to protect the house and keep those taxes at zero? That, Chris, is what you do, and that we can talk about in two weeks. Yeah, I tell you what, Chris, we're out of time for today, but thanks for the call, and we will dive into that in a couple of weeks when you come back. Uh, We're almost out of time here now. If uh, folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? The Well, I think the one thing, Tom, before Monday, I do want to make sure that uh, everybody knows uh, for Josh's question, uh, the the law school diploma privilege, Wisconsin, you know, us folks who I'm from Wisconsin, went to school outside of it, we give those uh, Wisconsin and Marquette grads a little bit of a hard time, but uh, there is no difference between a Wisconsin Marquette Law school grant. You wanted to get that in so that when you're uh, at the bar later with your buddies. No, no, no. uh, No, but it's true. It it is one where Josh had something. He cast some aspersions on folks who who are from Wisconsin. And that is, Josh, that is a zero. I 100% disagree with you on that one. Wisconsin Marquette grads from law school. Same as, as outside of state and no problems there. So that's a, that's just a, it's something that we, we give them grief about, but that's a nothing. But the, um, but yes, people want to talk to us on, uh, on Monday. Um, uh, probably the easiest way is uh, we have a phone number for our WASA and our Rhinelander uh, uh, locations, uh, 715-843-5001, 715-843-5001, or howgumlaw.com. All right, well, we'll talk to you again then uh, in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. See you in two weeks, Tom. Thanks. Alan Haugen, we've got uh, the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up and Badger football this afternoon. The Badgers facing off with Rutgers in New Jersey. The kickoff is set for 2.30 here on WSAU years to accept a formal diagnosis and it's not always easy to find the right treatment plan 
Did you know that up to 75% of children and adolescents with ADHD have at least one additional